What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Welcome to Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And we're bringing back the breakdowns. Yes, we are. And with somebody very special to start the year off, uh, you may have heard in the news, they're going to buy Reebok. He was Mm. an NBA player, an entrepreneur, a rapper. Uh, It's too much. It's too much. But if you don't have any idea... We're talking about Master P. Moose, what's your thoughts? I love it. I love it. Again, I always talk about when any anybody starts before social media era, you know, maybe on the verge of the internet era, that means they really had to hit the ground running and build it from the bottom. So I think it's always fun to 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 show and give props to, you know, to those people. So yeah, this is gonna be special. Let's get into the intro. Two kids from Queens. Cut from a different cloth. Now, joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never-before-seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. So... Excited about bringing back the breakdowns. Low key, I'm not going to hold you. First one of the year, you know what I'm saying? First one of the year. It's been a minute since we've done like a real, real a deal breakdown. Breakdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a minute. And I and I learned so much from these breakdowns because we're doing Indeed. all the research and everything. So I felt like I don't know, like recharged. I was like, oh, we're back. We're back. It's official. No, no offense <laughs> to all the interviews. We love all the interviews and everything like that, but. This is my selfish side of like, we get to learn and teach at the same time. I really Indeed. appreciate that. Indeed. What do you think? Indeed. I've, I've learned a lot throughout this, uh, throughout this format, man. You know, I talked about the whole Mav Carter situation. We had a little, a little in-house communication the other day. Hey. And I was like, ooh, are we, are, we <laughs> are we making the connection officially? But, you know, it's still in the works. So, no, it's, Words are uh, it's powerful. Been... Words Indeed. are powerful. I'm just saying. Indeed, man. Indeed. Moose said he wanted to have Mav Carter kind of vibes and all of a sudden we're like one person away. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Indeed. We can't get too much into it. It's too much. It's too much. But. It's too much. You know, we got to go with the review of the week. And I've gotten Yo, comments real that quick, I butchered these readouts each. have been hilarious. Yo, I butcher each one. <laughs> yeah, these readouts have been hilarious. I saw I saw the clip that was posted. I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. I butcher each one. So this one comes from L V L O L V, I think, or that's yeah. a Y. Somebody, I don't know. But the title is Q G T M. What does that stand for? What does that mean? I don't know. But uh, real people from the real borough in the world, the realest. Oh, see, the realest over, borough over. of the. OK, <laughs> I got to start over. I got to start over. Real people from the realest borough. I can't even talk in the world. Great and valuable content. Don't sleep on Nikki and Moose if you want knowledge and game. Hey. So I think it's almost an official segment where it's just Nikki messing up the review of the week. I think that's just what it, it's become. It's a good vibe. It's, it's, it's great. I'm with it's it. Gr- I, I guess. Whatever. 
I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> but the good part is that we also do get to bring back the flight assessment. Hey. We haven't been talking about the flight assessment lately. I don't know. For real. For it, real. Because of the interviews, you know, but if, know. If, if ever is a time to bring it back, top of the year is probably the best time, right? This, right. this is like, this is the time to, to get rolling with it again. So, yeah. So, so for those who may, all our brand new people, all our day one people, we do these breakdowns based off the flight assessment. Nikki, what's the flight assessment? Don't worry. We got you, right? So the flight assessment is an assessment that we both have taken that has changed our lives, but helps us kind of, not, I wouldn't say categorize. Do we, do we want to say categorize? Uh, not necessarily categorized, but it, we draw references, you know, like we make mm. connections. We're able to help people be or say, oh, I, I score or I feel like I can resonate with this person. Maybe I can follow their blueprint to repeat that or regenerate that success in my own business or brand. See, this is why I go to Moose. So Moose in a minute and 30. I don't know. You may want to go longer because we haven't talked about it for it's been a, minute. a minute. Can you yeah. talk about. What are the characters of the flight assessment? Absolutely, man. So let me just tell you real quick, the flight assessment summarized in a, in a quick, you know, couple little minutes. Uh, first off, this is just based off of the four dominant personality types that we know exist in the world. Now, off the bat, all of us have a little bit of each of these, but we also have one that we're very strong in, one that we lead with and dominate with. So to help you make those connections, we use the flight theme or the airport theme because this is... Uh, a, a specific area where all four of these are present. So first, you have the pilot. What do you notice about the pilot? The pilot, as soon as they get on the plane, they go straight to the cockpit. So those who score like a flight attendant, when we look at their personality, we know that they're very bottom line, goal-oriented type of people. They literally only worry about getting the plane from where it is to its final destination. But as you are finding your seat, you come across some flight attendants. Now, the flight attendants have a different type of swag, right? The flight attendants are more about the people Right? They want to make sure that you're having a pleasurable experience. They want to get you a drink or help you find your seat, get your bags on the plate. So they're all about using their charisma, their, their, their charm to help you, again, connect and just build relationship. When you're in your seat, if you're sitting in a window seat, you're going to look out the window, you're going to see some people in orange, blue or green vest. Those are your grounds crew. Now, these are really the stabilizers. They're like the linchpin in a way. And they help the entire operation continue to flow. So they're getting bags on the plane. Uh, they do a lot of different things. But again, they keep everything organized and flowing smoothly. Last but not least, you got your air traffic control. You don't hear these people. You don't see them, but you hear of them, right? Pilots always coming on the intercom like, hey, uh, air traffic control said we next in line to take off. So these people are in the back end somewhere, but they're really strategic, right? They're analytical. They think about how do my de decisions today impact our future tomorrow? But you bring them all together and there you go. Flight assessment. Shout out to Moose with that breakdown. So we're going to try to figure out what Master P is. So keep in mind with what Moose said, because we're going to always reference here and there, what we may think, and at the end, we're going to kind of give our perspectives of what we think Master P is. But getting right into it, right, um, I realized that I have so much more respect because, for one, he's talking a lot about ownership. I don't know if you noticed that. He's yeah. talking a lot about ownership, and that always gets me excited because now I'm like, yay, 
2021, I got to get real back on that whole vibe. So first, uh, first clip, it's a little bit about ownership. The first two is going to be about that. So let's get right into it. Me going saying I'm gonna spend a thousand dollars with a shoe co- with a shoe company like Nike or Gucci or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna invest maybe ten grand and create my own. Right. And then if I sell enough, I don't have to sell a lot. I already made my money back. Right. I created a brand. Now I have something to market. Absolutely. Besides, even if you're in the music business, besides just the music. Absolutely. Because I tell people all the time, product outweighs talent. Hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. You want to go first? Interesting. You want to go? No, I'll let you take it because I, I you know, I, I may have to take a devil's advocate approach on this one, but I'm, I'm curious to know what Ooh, you got to say about it. Okay. Yeah. So, that, wow. All right. You may have a devil's advocate. All right. That's interesting. So, first off, um, I love the topic of ownership, right? And I love what he said as far as like we spend the the topic before, if you haven't seen that TI podcast episode, uh, was, you know, how to spend money, right? And some some of us have a hard time figuring out smartly how to spend. We'll spend money in, like he said, the luxury brands, but are we spending money that's going to put money back in our pockets somehow, some way, right? So he he w- was showing his sneaker that he made and was like, instead of me investing in Nike, right, I can make my own shoe, have my tribe buy it so I can make my money back and maybe then some. So I'm still rocking Sneakers that I would want anyways while making money about it. So thinking about from just that standpoint without going into the last bar just yet, um, I think that's genius. And I think we've had a conversation about it where I even was like, who I just spend this amount of money on Black Friday, this amount on a random sale, this, that and Nothing's coming back to me or truly is any kind of ownership towards me, but I'm rocking their brand. Right. I'm rocking it over and over again and promoting them freely. Not only did I give you your money, but then I'm promoting you on a reg. Like, so on that note, I'm like, okay, I'm switching my hat up now, right? Um, may get different merch. And we'll possibly get into that later or another episode. But I'm seeing like if you were going to wear this anyways, if you were going to do this anyways, why not have uh, some some skin in it? Why doesn't it not be owned by you now? Granted. Then that comes into a business, right? Then there comes work and everything like that. And I can understand why may. Some people may shy away from that because they're like, yo, I'm, I don't want to get into the fashion brand. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into that. Right. Um, from that standpoint, maybe not even make it into a business. Just have pay for the customization. Have it to be yours and not necessarily another person's brand. But the 
the reason why I picked that clip out in particular, because I liked what he said at the end, where it was like product lasts longer than talent or something. Right. And it got me thinking like, oh, my God, because when we die, there goes the talent. But if we was to put it in some way, shape or form or a physical or digital product, that could last longer than anything. Right. I'm thinking from that standpoint, um, product can can weather through multiple storms and or health issues and things like that. Uh, and you have to look at it now, granted with Master P and, and I'll let you get into those kind of things. But he has multiple products. I mean, he got into wrap snacks and noodles and cereal. And he really <laughs> believes in the same thing where if I'm going to eat it or do anything with it, I might as well put my name on it as well as um, providing back for the community. But also having product because the product will work itself with correct marketing and things like that. Um, and. I'm looking at all the different businesses and products from even like a chicken spot. I think he has like a chicken and burger spot. He has um, a, a sneaker, a clothing line. He has multiple things. So he really believes in that. Now, I know a whole bunch of other people that believe in I'm the talent. I can control what I make because I am the talent. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think mm -hmm. either model is wrong. I can understand Masterpiece model. I can understand where um, in, in your sleep, the product is making money. Where in your sleep is the talent unless you created product. Is it really making money? Hmm. That's where I'm like, I can see it. Because yeah, it's a great debate. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. That's why I said I, I think I may have more of a, a devil's advocate kind of approach to this one. Um, and, and only because it's like they're two different business models or two different frameworks, but in a way still connected. But let me let me start here first. Right. Because okay. I, I love I love what he said in terms of the ownership mentality, mm -hmm. because it, it really shows the true entrepreneurship spirit in him. Mm -hmm. And it all stems from even how he got started in the game. Right. Like you think about how he started with his story. He he's growing up. He wants to be a basketball player, gets an opportunity to go to college to play basketball. Knee injury wipes him out. But within a year or two, he takes all his business experience. And after he gets a settlement money and settlement money, we're not talking about he got handed over millions of dollars. It was a $10,000 check mm -hmm. because his grandfather uh, got hurt or unfortunately lost his life on the job. So he takes that settlement money and automatically opens up a record store. So you can see how that $10,000 is really the start of his journey, and it's now led him to where he is now, or even at the time of that clip, thinking about that same model. Hey, instead of me taking this money and I can go buy something, why don't I take this money and invest? So whatever my clothing budget is, as a, as a, as a rapper, as an entrepreneur who probably spends a good amount of money with every public appearance... Why don't I start flipping the coin a little bit and, and find a way to reinvest back in myself all that money that I will be spending anyway? 
So that's my favorite part of it, right? That entrepreneurship spirit of like, hey, if that's one of those things and I'm building someone else's community that's not necessarily going to pour back into me or I can see that there's a disconnect somewhere, then it makes sense for me to go out there and really make my own thing happen. So I'm with you on that 100%. The the ownership piece, we're always going to love it and we're going to mention it over and over and over again. Now, the other side of it now, when he talks about the product versus talent, I can understand if it's a if it's something that is automated, right? An automated product. I don't have to worry about talent at that point I see because where I'm you're going. I see where you see you're what going. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because because at that point, I'm strictly relying on no human, like no human has to touch it at that point for the product to continue to filter, to to penetrate, and allow me to make money in my sleep, as you mentioned. But if I'm talking specifically to the model that he's speaking to which is a clothing line, a physical product now, physical product require talent, right? Like it requires designers. It requires marketers. It requires people who can go out there and sell and and also place the product in a way. Like, do you know how much people fight when, when in malls and like even the supermarket, the positioning of product like there's a that's a big business in terms of what product you see first when you come in the store. Right. Because there's always hundreds of different selections, but the way they're positioned throughout the store, whatever catches your eye, there's a science to that. So when it comes to a physical product, I think you can't just completely overlook your talent because it makes the big difference. Now, lastly, I got to make reference to my guys because and I'm going to call them my guys. I'm going to continue to speak it like you said, because I feel like, you know, hopefully, hopefully something happens in the future. I'm feeling it. (laughs) But but they uh Mav and LeBron were talking about acquisitions, right? Like acquiring companies. And and literally one of the things that determined their decision with one of the investments that they made was that one company had better mid-level managers than the other. Because they said, look, we're not going to be on on the forefront, whatever whatever the the business is. We're not going to be out there actually working the business. We're putting our money there. But there's a there's human capital, right? They're like that's that's a form of capital that's just as important as monetary capital. So they were they were kind of speaking to the the importance of having a a talented management system as well as human capital that can carry out and make sure that your investment is protected. So yeah, that's my piece that I was like, okay, I'm with you on that, but I can't completely give you the check off. Like yeah, that's that's the way to go. So. Devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, right? Double double. So not saying they're not talent, because I don't want to downplay any human. But if a CEO doesn't necessarily have to be the face of the product, right? Doesn't necessarily push out, ship, package any of that, that the employees or the people put in those positions to work those titles are technically the system, Mm -hmm. right? Is that not semi-automated? Like, clearly automation from a digital standpoint is literally a press of a button and we're done, right? Mm -hmm. But... To say you're not pressing a push of a button for some of the packaging or a push of a button for UPS 
and, and every other postal service to come pick it up, you know, is that not a sense of system, an autom- automated system, even though it is a physical product? Yeah. So, so in the business world, it really breaks down to two areas. Mm-hmm. That the, the part that you're speaking to, that follows more into the delivery of service or in this case, you would call it the delivery of product. Right. Yes. So that's that's the, the manpower that is uh, tied to the delivery of product. Where in right. that case, yeah, it can almost seem automated. As long as you have people who are proficient enough to just print labels, package, ship them out, drop them in the bin, then for the most part, you know, it can run efficiently. But from a CEO standpoint, again, when I'm talking about product placement, you know, uh, agreements or just like working with whichever stores are going to carry your products, you need a talented person like you know, like that matters. I, I would want you on my negotiation team in terms of like, who do we collaborate Facts. with? How do we position our products? But once I put it in Walmart, that's almost automated because Walmart has its own system, right? Indeed. So all I have to do is get maybe somebody Nikki, super talented. Huh? Nikki's getting spicy. I, I felt no, no, the voice. No. Nikki was like, hey, but if I put it in Walmart though. Wait, no, no, no. no. <laughs> no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. But if if I find a uh, a person who can get it placed in Walmart or I'm doing all the, the I can't even say it. Yeah. if I'm doing that to get it in Walmart. Right. Um, is that not its own system? That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't no, have to sure. touch it after I have to make sure it's fulfilled, but it's doing the sales on its own because once it's in a Walmart. Right. Or some of these top stores and things like that, it's a wrap. Yeah. And, and I guess this is where, at this point, is where we can agree to disagree in a sense, just because I'm always of the belief that whatever, like I, I believe in universal laws, right? We talked mm-hmm. about this before. Whatever you stop caring for, it automatically decreases in quality. Like it's just mm. not as sharp. I'm not saying it's going to stop, but it's going to decrease in quality, right? Maybe someone else is a little bit uh, just a little bit more careful. They put a little bit more energy into nurturing that relationship with Walmart. They're just not going to leave it alone. All right. And that can continue to keep your product on the forefront. Now go for it. I know you're going to say and something. Like, I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> so is even a digital product deemed automated or not? If you have to find somebody to maybe set up the system, find somebody to promote it, a marketing team with ads and stuff like that. Like, is that the same kind of vibe? I would say yes, to be honest with you. And and you could probably speak to this better. And I think this is great information for everyone listening or even those who are watching on YouTube, because you think about even with a digital product, there have been plenty of times where you have to be in conversation with uh, even like our ads person to turn on and turn off ads based on, you know, certain holidays or when things are coming up. So so to say that something can be like truly evergreen or completely automated, I think is almost a myth. I want to just go out and flat out say that because it's going to require some level of maintenance. You may not have to show up for it nine to five and commit a whole amount of time to it. But, you know, for some people, it could be an hour a week. For others, mm-hmm. it can be an hour a day. But if you think about it from a trade, like a trade for ownership for your own product, I'll trade an hour a day to keep mine, you know, my product, either physical or digital, at the top of the charts. 
I'm not really disagreeing with Moose. I just felt like it was a good conversation to have. It was great. I like that. Good. Yeah, it's good stuff. But let's go into the second one. So um, shout out to all the YouTube people you saw in the clip that he was holding his sneaker. I think, it, what is it called? Like Money uh, Gotti Minotti. or something. Yeah, like okay. something. I know it was like the Bugatti of sneakers or something like that. That's why he called it that. But um, we're going to talk about him bidding to buy Reebok. That is interesting. The reason why we're doing this episode is because buying Reebok, that's crazy. That's, that's but, but let's get into it. Opportunity to get a brand that we could that has some equity value still left in it, and that's out there that we can re, uh, refurbish and give it a makeover to make it cool and make it black. I, I look like I, I feel like Reebok is about to go black. It's the only way it could be successful. And if they don't take the deal from us, then we're gonna create more brands. We're gonna help other people create brands, and we're gonna invest into us. And this is only the beginning. So, uh, you want to get this one first? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I was reading up on the numbers. The first thing you hear him talk about, there's still value left in the company, right? And I, and I think that's important because for anybody who is a, acquiring a business, it shows just how his mind works, that he's not just going out for the sake of an ego-driven mission. Although, very like it's a very credible thing to say, like, we want to purchase this company or this brand so they could be black owned. That's a credible thing. But it's not it's not an ego driven mission to the point that I'm willing to overpay. Right. And I think some entrepreneurs out there will often allow their ego to get the best of them that they're now overspending. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a way, cutting themselves, cutting their margins or driving themselves out of positions where they can really turn the dial because it's that it's that power flex. So I like that he speaks to which clearly it shows his knowledge of the of the business that there's still value in it. So the the backstory to that, just for those who are interested in numbers, is Adidas owns the brand. They paid a little bit over three billion for it, and now they're selling it at right around that two point three uh, position. So they know that they're going to sell it at a loss, right? They're kind of just ex- they've accepted that, and now this is where he's creating that buffer or kind of doing the math and say, okay, well, if they bought it for three and sold it for two, I have an opportunity to kind of catch that one billion in an evaluation marketplace. So yeah, I think that when I listen to someone speaking in that way, it shows that his heart's in the right place. I want to bring it back for the community, but simultaneously, I'm not just going to be out here, you know, doing it for the good. I know that the numbers match too. So I got a a semi-different view. Agreeing, still agreeing with you. However, do you feel that maybe he is trying to be the Yeezy of Reebok? I hope not. <laughs> so I hope we, not. Uh, so bear with me with this, right? So he talks about um, his sneaker, right? And in that same interview, he did bring up Yeezy uh, with Adidas and everything like that, but not from the standpoint of like ownership, but that, you know, he wants to open it up for other designers to come in, like big name people to be a part of Reebok. If you've seen lately, uh, Reebok has a deal with Cardi and everybody's been knowing that Allen Iverson 
has been on Reebok forever. Now, yeah. the one of the points that he was trying to make was that Allen Iverson should have been way bigger in the sneaker game than he is or was, right? To be the top player at the time. And like, we were still buying AIs, but not, not the marketing that it should have had. Right. So he's seeing all the mistakes and he's like, look, let's look at just history when it comes to sneakers in itself. Right. Uh, Black people, the minorities, we buy them. It would only make sense for that to happen. I think Puma was, I I think Jay-Z has a part of Puma or is associated with Puma somehow, some way for that same reason. Like, you know, minorities just buy sneakers. This is, it's part of our culture. And so if you're really trying to save Reebok, it would only make sense for it to be black owned. Now, what I did love is how you said he understands the downfall of Reebok. And so, yes, they're bidding at a $2.3 billion, but he's not going to pay it. He's not going to pay that. He understands that without the culture and without certain connections, it's going to flop even more. Right. Reebok has right. not been on the top of the game for the longest. Right. And... To have not only one of the most respected hip hop, uh, you know, moguls owning it, as well as an NBA player, which will now bring hip hop and players uh, together for Reebok, we can only imagine what sneakers are going to come out of it or who will be rocking that. But I say the whole Yeezy thing is because. Is he going to put his brand now part of Reebok? Because Uh, using the machine that Reebok already has, regardless of how strong or weak it is, it's still more than what he maybe could possibly do on his own, at least from a shorter standpoint, right? This is a, a machine that's already there that knows how to distribute from a large scale, right? Even though his brand is a luxury brand, let's combine it. Let's look at the model of what uh, Kanye did and how can we make Reebok all all into a whole new level. So when I saw that, I was like, he's not slick. He's not slick. He's buying the machine. He's not waiting to get picked up. He's going to buy the machine. Like the same way how he created No Limit, he's not going to wait for somebody to sign him. He created a record, uh, a record label. And that, hands down, is genius. The fact that you, it, we're even talking about a billion-dollar acquisition. Like, what? Right, right. right. Th- yeah, that's no, why sure. it got CNN. It got all the... the the media stations that probably wouldn't have covered it if it was not a billion. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. That's real. To, to give him the platform to do so, I think it, it is, it, it's showing his wit to say, you know what, let's do a reverse acquisition to your point, because we win the distribution channels, right? We're automatically going to put whatever our sneakers are 
into a, a global market because of where they are. It makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. And, and let's think about it. Now that there's media coverage on it, right? If the deal does not work out, that's okay because now it brings awareness to his brand. Indeed. It brings Indeed. awareness to whatever because now people are like, man, we wanted you to buy Reebok, whatever you're doing, because you already planted the seed like, yo, if they're not going to do it, we're still going to move. We're still going to create our own. And yeah. there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are now may have not known about Masterpiece brand and all the snacks and fashion and sneaker wear that he has. Now they're going to be like, I could only respect the move that you just did to try to buy Reebok. Now let's go um, support you. That's a great point, Nix. That's a great point. Because to talk about now, think of the attention. And we talk about how expensive attention is. But mm -hmm. for him to get that free attention now, you never know whose radar he's falling under. Maybe the Reebok deal doesn't work out. But what if Nike says, yo, we'll give you $100 million for your brand, right? Like, that's, that might still be a come up. You know, so you're absolutely right. There's something behind here that we might not uh, know, but... Uh, let's just say we're predicting it here on Nikki Moose. I mean, hey, if, if this actually happens, I don't know. We might just need some uh, some credentials on, I don't know, CNBC or something. Like, yo, they called it first. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I wouldn't that's be good. surprised. That's a good I look. No, that's a good look. I would not be surprised. But let's go into this third clip. Um, it was talking about investment, but I, this... What he said could be flipped in so many different ways, so I had to pick this one. So let's go into it. And also find stuff with a problem. So I always look for a business with a problem. So if I find a problem, I have the solution. You want to fix it. You want to fix that house. Everybody wants the nice-looking house, but the person that fixed the house is where the value come in at. Very simple, right? Mm -hmm. But... At the same time, the, the money is always in the solution. So I didn't want to focus on like what the question was and he was talking about investments because that doesn't really go with our audience. But at the same time, the fact that he looks for a problem and tries to solve it, he already understands that people pay whatever amount of money for a solution. Instead of trying to do what everybody else is doing and try to get the quickest money grab and what's already working and things like that, he's trying to find a problem that no one else probably is even paying attention to. The way he uh, was referring to it was like a house. For me, um, I'm never buying a fixer house again. I'm going to tell you this straight mm. out. I'm never doing it. It is annoying. You have to fix everything. It's, I hate it. However, the, I get it. The value is going to go up. It's going to be worth so much more and blah, 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 blah. I get it. I get it. So I understood when he said that, right? But even with our brands and businesses, are we positioning ourselves to solve a problem or just kind of be with the trends or what's already being worked on. Like that's, for me, even when I'm creating content or giving advice for branding, I'm always like, what isn't being done? 
Like, what is the problem that's still out there that people are really not talking about or really not addressing in some way, shape or form? Because not only does that make you different, but that also puts you in a different money scale. Like you could charge whatever because no one else is doing it. Yeah. So I I love that that advice that he was giving. But yeah, I really and I really I think that's great, and and I really see this as a mindset point too. Like it, it, more than anything, it's a mindset because you know, and, and and shout out to one of my good friends, Nick. I was on his podcast a couple of weeks back, and we were talking about the Nicky and Moose, you know, our, our podcast as well. And one thing led to another, and I was just telling him that. A lot of people get so caught up in complaining about the problem or talking about the problem. But there's a few people who notice that a problem is a good thing. Yeah. And, and he kind of asked the question like, well, what's the difference between someone who is stuck in a problem and someone who's on the way to a solution? And I said, someone who's willing to do the work. Right? Like you notice that those who are happy in a problem, they, all they do is just talk about it. But then the mindset is a problem and as someone who doesn't mind to do the work, a problem is actually an opportunity. A mm-hmm. problem is an opportunity to work and build a solution that can then turn into a tangible business. So I've always looked at that like, yo, that's a, that's a unique mindset that most entrepreneurs have, that mm-hmm. they go to where most people are running away from or where most people are sitting on their hands. And the other side of it is we've, we've talked a lot about supply, on dem- supply and demand. On this podcast, and I brought it up, and not from an economic standpoint, but I just wanted to talk to the difference of ideas come a dime a dozen, right? Ideas, that's your supply. But the the problem, to your point, that's the demand. That's the market saying, hey, I need help. You know, I need help with this specific area. So if your idea, the supply, doesn't have a direct person or problem that it meets in the marketplace, you got to not, you know, like, because I do see like in today's era, especially with how cool entrepreneurship is branded, people just want to do it. And they, they're starting companies or brands just for the affiliation, like just to the association to say, yo, I could I could give myself the title of CEO of XYZ brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just going to I'm just going to get incorporated for the sake of a title. But it's like, man, do it right. You know, do it for the right reasons. And, and I think that's what you're seeing here from Master P. Yeah, that's that's good. That's that's good. Uh, this next one, though, I'm really excited about. So to set it up, this one was done in uh, one of the interviews that Sway did. And we're talking about investing in yourself. Right. Um, we've talked about products and services and blah, blah, blah. But the way he. I'm going to just play it. You'll, you'll understand. Knowledge is money. So I'm going to give y'all the blueprint. Just You got to take some time. to come. I spent $25,000 with Michael Jackson attorney in the 1990s uh-huh. just to get some game. The man said, look, P, if you want to come up here and talk to me, it'll cost you twenty five grand." I said, man, that's a lot. But here you go. I'd be up there. I went up there. That's how I got the distribution deal. He said, the only deal you could get is an 85-15 deal, distribution deal, but you're going to need $200,000. I'm like, damn. I just spent twenty five k to know I need two hundred more grand. Yeah, yeah. So you got to realize we have to educate ourselves. Mm. Man. So, uh, let me start this one right. So, first off, twenty five k is not light. 
Okay. Right. Just to talk to somebody. It's not even so backstory real quick. Master P wanted to know how did Michael Jackson make so much money in the music industry, right? So what he did was look up everything about Michael Jackson and went to find his lawyer, right? Who was making the deals for him. After the research and found out who it was, he contacted him and he was like, yo, I would love to just sit down with you. My man said, yeah, sure. 25K to even have a conversation. Like, I'm looking at my whole life, first and foremost, like, I'm about to charge you for every word that I say. This is crazy. But neither here nor there, right? So the, the great thing about paying for that is the results that it had, right? He was able to have access to something that lasted, like that created gener- generational wealth. He was able to figure out everything he needed to know about the music industry that was able to create No Limit Records, right? Able to have the distribution deals that nobody else was getting or demanding because they didn't have the knowledge, right? So once he got the knowledge, he executed. Of course, once you spend a certain amount, definitely 25K, you're probably going to have a little bit more action, a little bit more fire under your butt than if you was to have that person uh, just tell you the information for free or you pick their brain and all that great stuff and you do nothing with that information. So he took that, spend whatever, how much more that the guy did suggest and created millions. So though he may have thought at the time, yo, 25K plus maybe 200K, that's a lot. But the results that it produced because he invested in himself, because he invested in the knowledge of of duplicating certain things as far as the distribution deal, it was worth so much more that he would do it again times five, you know? And so I look at that on, like, what are we educating ourselves on a regular day basis? The the thing with Master P is that he's really big on um, teaching people about finances, about the economic side of things, right? Because I believe that our culture is just not uh, well-versed in it compared to others, right? So he's really big on that. He was challenging people like, look, once a week, read about economics one hour. One hour. Buy something, invest in that, and and you can see how much money you would be saving and making if you just understood how to manage your money right. What to do, what different accounts, stocks, all that great stuff. And that's stuff you wouldn't expect to hear from like... Uh, a hip hop mogul like him, but he's really big on that. Why? Because he's received the information he, you know, uh, studied and he isn't ashamed to put money up 
to get the information that is going to be able to create more. So, yes, there is a lot of free information out there that can help us start certain things. But to get to millionaire status, that's going to cost. That's going to cost or it's going to take you a very long time. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not possible, but it's going to take a very long time if you haven't invested in education. Not in systems, not in all that just yet. You have to educate yourself first and foremost to know what systems you need, to know what people you need to connect with, to understand if certain people are in the right place or not, or if this deal is good for you or not. The lawyers that you may need, right? Just to hear, like, I want, don't don't (laughs) give me, about to give a whole bag to certain lawyers this year. You know what I mean? Listen, listen, any really... Great lawyers out there. Yeah. Come holla at us. We may have a conversation, whether it's, you know, trademarking, uh, you know, dealing with our IP, contracts for sure. For sure. Come holla at Nikki and Moose. DM us on all our platforms, whatever you, which one you want to prefer. We would appreciate it. But anyway. For real. (laughs) Moose, what did you think about (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, nah, this, this, you know, it's funny. I had, uh, I remember, and then, again, this is this is one of a friend, a friend of mine who jokes around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yo, uh, why don't you come interview me? I'll let you interview me for free." And and I I responded, uh, I don't want to say in a petty way, but I really meant what I said, right? And I was like, uh, "I'm good because free is too expensive." How? Wait. First of all, you're not gonna speed past that. Like you didn't just say what you just said. Free is too expensive. Break that down. Free, free is too expensive. So if if we're constantly just relying on the free information that's being spilled out, the one thing that people don't realize is that that free information isn't tailor made to your situation. Mm-hmm. So so you're gonna try and be cheap. And shortcut the process and take whatever information is being given to you and just flip it into your business. And a couple months go by and you're like, dang, it didn't work out. Yo, you don't know what you're talking about. No, you try doing what I do at a mastery level on your own and you're not me. So free is too expensive. And for some of us, we just can't afford to keep making the same mistakes. Truth be told. <laughs> yeah yeah we getting turned up on the first one of the year welcome to episode 15 y'all yo yeah shout out to the episode 15. <laughs> <laughs> so, yo he made moose just made me want to spend a whole lot of money <laughs> between master p and moose with that right there i'm about like, about to spend a lot of money in 2021. About to spend yeah. a lot. It's crazy. For real, man. For real. For real. Nah, but but I will say this. At, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, and, and for those who didn't listen to our last episode, man, I love what Inky said, you know, and, and we, we gave so much credit to him because this is somebody who is one of the best in the industry, but still walks off of the stage and takes notes. And, you know, when we asked him about it, he talked about the importance of continuing to be a student. And that's what exactly Master P is saying here. It's like, yo, continue to learn. Educate yourself. You're a student of the game. 
Let me give you the numbers behind this, Nick, just because I want people to see that $25,000 investment. Yeah. And although at the 90s, you could be like, the $25,000 investment on information is expensive today. But imagine what that was worth in the 90s. Yes. Right? Oh, let's, my let's God. Let's not forget about that. That's, that's, that's not, nearly 25 that's... years ago. Yeah, that's nearly 25 years ago. But check this out, right? So let's say he spent that 25 grand. So here's mm-hmm. what he did. Between 92 and 98 alone, in those six years, No Limit Records sold $120 million worth of albums. All right? 80 million albums, $120 million in six years through that record. So you could, you could easily just start, let's just start estimating. He turned 25 grand into 100 million. Fair to say. Yeah. Not to mention, not to mention the deal that he got when another record label actually, they kind of merged together, right? Mm-hmm. So at the time, we were, we've talked about this before. Most artists weren't keeping their masters, yeah. right? Labels were taking their masters. And if you did have some deal in place, Madonna, who we know in the 90s was booming, her deal was 25, 25, 50, of course, in favor of the record label. Yeah. Master P negotiated a 75, 25 deal in his favor, and he keeps his masters. Mm. So now I get the knowledge of the, of the powerhouse, like you call it, right? The distribution with the platform. Yeah. But it's in my favor and my knowledge helps me to protect my assets because I have the right information from the experts. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, you know, help the people make the connection. And sometimes, yo, when you really go to the right places and you trust those who you hire, trust the experts that are masters in the space, it can, uh, it can turn a dial, man. That makes a big difference. Yeah, and, and what's crazy is that, like, you see all the things that Master P is doing with going into like food, going into movies, going into music, things like that. Um, and I think from a person who's not knowledgeable enough will look at his, you know, career and be like, ah, you either fell off or you would never reach a Lay's potato chips. You will never reach a Nike. You will never reach some of the things. But in all honesty, he owns all that. Right. So you don't need that many people to be successful in your own eyes. And he's a highly respected human being to the culture. So is he the top of the chips and snacks situation right now? Maybe not right now, but the equity he has in that, the skin in the game he has in that, the impact that he created in hip hop, regardless of all the other record labels, he is still a huge staple. And we do have to recognize what No Limit and Master P has done. I think that's huge. I think. If you look at it from that standpoint of, yes, there are other artists, there are other entrepreneurs that have made more than me, that may have gotten way more recognition than me, but I own everything. 
It cannot be taken away from me. It cannot be sold to somebody else. A lot of the artists right now, their masters are being sold. Not by Same them. Way. Yeah. So, and it's it's a it's a huge situation. Like Master P can can hold on to that for as long as he wants and sells sell it if he wants to, or pass it down to his kids. Or pass it down to his grandkids. He could do whatever he wants. I think that alone, like, you have to switch up your thought of maybe being competitive, but what is your definition of competition? Just to be on the charts and say I'm number one or to own everything and say I'm good? Hmm. I think that's like that got my mind like, hmm, hmm. Do you <laughs> really need the machine? Do you right. really? And then down the line, could I buy a machine? Hmm. Thinking. Big boss talk right there. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean. Oh, and side note um, for everyone who listened to last week's episode uh episode 14 i'm sorry for all the air horns mm. <laughs> <laughs> what um, a sincere apology that was yeah i'm sorry I'm, for all I'm the air sorry. horns um i uh, somebody texted me it was like man you dropped mad air horns i was like i didn't know what else to do when inky says something deep i just don't it was too many of them i apologize so i'm sorry for doing them, they're not going away though. But I'm sorry, okay. But anyways, let's get into this last one. Um, you know, I always try to end the breakdowns with something deep to impress Moose and everything like that. Hopefully, I did it. Uh, but I think everything that Masterpiece's been saying is like deep, so it's like it's weird to me. Right. So, but I'm gonna try. When you have a million dollar you know mindset you have to turn down money it's not about the money you can't work for the money the first deal I got they offered me a million dollars and I had to realize what my value was so my value was more I thought back in the 90s if I take this record deal and they give me a million dollars how much am I worth so um I wanted to bring this up for um, one reason. Well, we talked about this on our Facebook live show with LeBron, right? Um, When he turned down a deal because he knew his worth. And I'm going to bring back kind of that same uh, thought process to the podcast where you would turn down a million dollars. You would like, <laughs> like oh man, it's I like I want to get ready for that because it's going yeah. to happen. Like I want to get ready to be like, yo, the second you give me a million dollars, I know I'm worth so much more because the fact that you even offered that that means I got to be worth more, Absolutely. right? But. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, granted, for some of the the 
the one percenters in in our circles like Nikki, no, it's not Moose, it's not. Okay, well right. to us it is. Hello, okay? Right. All right, it is. Sorry. <laughs> a million. A million but, in one shot. But I, I do like I do like the fact that if you already have that kind of mindset, you already know that you're way more worth than a dollar amount, period, right? You have to, now it could allow you to look at certain deals and negotiations with a clearer mind instead of just the number. I think when you're approached with something like that and you've never touched that, never even heard that, you could get very clouded by the number, but what does it take to make that? Why are they so uh, quick to give you that as the first number? You know, because it, everything can be negotiated. Yeah. So that doesn't mean you have to take it. That means they see that they could probably make way more than a mill if they're offering you that. And that's, like, I pray to have that clarity when it comes. Like, I pray to be like. That's real. Okay. So what does this all, what does this mean? Like, what, what am I getting besides the money? What are deliverables? All that great stuff. Like, what, I would love to have that clarity. I know at this moment I may be a little clouded. I may need somebody else. <laughs> she said, I don't know. I might just take the million. I may be a little, I may need somebody, but that's the great thing about being aware is that I know if something like that was to happen, I would need somebody else. Wow. I would need somebody else, especially depending on who does it, like who gives me that deal. The name alone, I might be like, yes, here, Take you want to lower it down? Like it doesn't even it doesn't even need to be. I don't want you to spend that much. <laughs> right, like, right. I'm looking out for your pocket. Right. Like if Jay Z was to hit me, like Nikki, Nikki and Moose needs to come through here. I, you sure? <laughs> you don't want you don't want to uh, smash this. Uh, oh, let's just have the conversation, Moose. I'll, I'll get right back. Hold. On. Let's just have the like. But I know that right now, at this moment, I would need somebody else. But I pray to have that clarity because it's going to happen. So yeah. if you don't yeah. have that clarity of, of, of having that mindset that you're way more worth than any amount of money, like I could say that by all means, I could say that and I could believe it. But when... When you get hit in the mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Things get real. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Let me, get, let me hit in the mouth with a mill. Oh, oh. I'm just, Moose, go say, say your beat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, real quick, though, I mean, shout out to Nikki's confidence in that. Because that, like, it's going to happen. That wasn't an optimistic thing. There was conviction in that. Oh. Absolutely. Yo, it's going to yeah. happen, right? So y'all might need to borrow a page out of that right there. There was some level of like, oh, it's going to happen. No, but I think uh, 
there's so many ways to look at this, man, right? Like chances are, if you're getting a million dollar offer, it is likely that you can produce a million on your own. All right. And it's like, oh, wait, first of all, you're not going to speed past that. Like you can just say what you just said. Mm. Yeah. Chances are, if you're getting a million dollar offer, then it is likely that you can produce a million on your own. Right. And, and you really have to get your focus away from the money and know what exactly are you signing for. Right? It, it, what they're offering you has to be worth more than the million itself. Like, yeah, I'll take the million. <laughs> like, right, like we talked about that part. Like, yeah, I'll take that million check for sure. Thanks. But what you're bringing has to be worth more than a million because mm-hmm. chances are if you see me as worth, you know, if I'm worth a million, then chances are I can produce the million on my own. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely would look beyond the money. And I love it because the book that we're reading now says money is a byproduct of excellence, not a goal. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's like when you focus on being excellent at what you do, the money comes with it. And we talked about it. Right. We've all been there. And, and 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 we know what it's like to in a way you need money. Like what you mean? Most of the problems that I'm faced with can be resolved by money. So it's difficult to say, well, what else outside of money am I getting? Right. But I, I can I can almost guarantee and, and, and Nikki, I won't speak for you, but I'll let you kind of share your experience if you like that when you get on the other side or as you edge closer, you start to see more clearly and you're like, oh, there really is more to this than just money because money then just becomes a part of the process. So, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good word from him to, you know, tie the education piece into it and then also encouraging others to look outside of the money because it's true. It's like, yo, what am I worth to them if they're willing to give me a million? Of course, they're looking to make a profit. They're not just about to give a million because they like me or feel bad for me. Right? They're looking to turn a they're looking to turn a profit on that. Yeah, and like my thought process with money is is always different just because I never put any kind of real weight on it because yeah. it's supposed to create opportunities, not necessarily make or break you or even um, tell you how much you're worth, right? And so I think with when you love what you do and the passion and the work ethic that you have, like the money will reflect that. Yeah. It, it, it will. Now, maybe not in the time that you hope or even need it, but it always comes and but it always determines it's is determined by what you put out so and what you and who you're impacting and everything like that and clearly the problems that you are solving like people we've said it earlier people will pay for you to solve a problem yeah regardless if it is within a 9 to 5 or if you're doing this on your own kind of thing, people pay for you to solve a problem. So if you can figure out how to do something without money being the number one motive, you're going to get a guap of it. And you're still not going to like flinch. If you look at most of these millionaires and billionaires, they don't stress about money. There's right. maybe a few that like all they do is talk about it. But like the ones that are highly respected, it's like it's easy to them. Mm-hmm. They make a guap a second, not not a day, not 
you know, a week, a second. Yeah. Because and even let's go back to even the talent kind of vibes. And I'll bring up Floyd Mayweather, where everything from a fight off of what he loves to do and what he's mastered was broken down from seconds of him being in the ring, from how many punches he gets. This is how much he makes. Right. That's, yeah. that's the, like, based off what he loves to do anyways. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. I, you know, I was just thinking, it's like, yo, in a way, money clouds your judgment. Yes. If, if that's what you're all in it for, it begins to cloud your judgment. And, and they can actually you know, put you in positions where you're making the wrong moves or the wrong calls Mm -hmm. because you're thinking about the dollar sign on the back end of that instead of actually thinking about, like you said, you know, like doing something because you love it, you're putting it out because it matters, because you want to deliver a high quality product or service or solve a problem. And, And it's like, if you just tie that or trust that process Eventually, it turns a dial. But yeah, no, I, I, I just felt that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think in a, in a big way, it clouds your judgment. Sure does. That's why I said I got to pray for, like, <laughs> I think I'm good. Like, like, I could say, I think I could feel confident with maybe like a 700K deal and under. Okay. There's clarity. Let me ask you this question. Go. How how much, because I want to show the other side of it real quick. How mm. much would you look to make back if you were about to invest a million? So like, just zoom out a little bit for a second, all right? If you're investing a million, okay. what would you like to make back? What's the return on that? <laughs> At least three mil. At Boom. least. Boom. And I just wanted to show like, but that's what it's like for the other person who's throwing that million. Right. Right. I'm I'm sure in their mind they're thinking the same thing. Like if they're if they have a million to give or invest, chances are they've got plenty more. But yep. in their mind, they're like, yo, what do I want to make back on that million? And to your point, you know, three million sounds about right. Right. Minimum it's like for me. Yeah, minimum. There you go. There you go. So that if if you're it's just evaluating that number from the other person's perspective to know your worth, if that's what it's coming down to, at least for the deal, mm-hmm. it's like sometimes I think it would be cool to ask ourselves that question. Yo, how much would I look to make back on the money that's being offered to me right now a- as a way to kind of see what the value or the worth is? Big facts. Sheesh. Well, let's get into the flight assessment. Let's figure yeah. out what my man is. Oh, I don't know whose turn is it. Uh we haven't done this New in a year. while. Yeah, New, New year. year. You first. New Year, new flight assessment. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So I'll go. Um, how do we do this? How do we do this? I'm going to go with the non-typical one. I'm going to go with he is not an air traffic controller. Yeah. No, no. Even even though he went out to seek knowledge, like my boy was on the, yo, I'm about to pay this money to get the lawyer. To flip it. Okay. To flip it. That was pure move. That's That means his, uh, if, if we're talking doing. on values, his economics is very high. That does not yeah. necessarily mean he is super strategic. 
Okay. Okay. I see what you're doing. See what you're doing. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, Who you got? Who you got? I'm going to say he is not a grounds crew. He didn't feel warm and fuzzy. He didn't feel like he's a... He does a lot of community stuff. He does a lot of community... Everything he does now is to teach other people. That didn't give you ground crew vibes and... No? Well, well, I wouldn't say right. I mean, maybe now, but based on the majority of his startup, yeah, nah. Hmm. No grounds crew. All right. All right. Um, So, top two... Depending on if you're watching this on YouTube or podcast or whatever, top two that we have is clearly the pilot and the flight attendant. Um, I already know what I feel in my heart what he is. However, he does have a lot of flight attendant vibes as well, meaning um, from the flashiness as far as when he first started um, rapping he realized that everybody was dark, like NWA and all that great stuff. So he was like, yo, uh, can you create a logo like my Rolex, which was all diamond out? And his whole thing was, I'm going to be very big and flashy because I want to make myself different. So that alone was like, oh, yeah, you got those vibes. However, however. Based off this whole thing and how he moves and everything like that. I'm going to say my man is a pilot. Oh. Yep. yep. Do you agree? It's been a business heavy. Yeah, it's been a business heavy lesson where a lot of the moves date back to some sort of, you know, business move where you can really say, okay, yep, I see the, the way of a pilot. For much of this, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and if you agree or disagree, hit up. Yeah, I can't even talk. Hit us up on social media, Nikki and Moose on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're all there, and it's because of y'all. But um, this was great. I feel so recharged. I love these things. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're going to bring more people. Don't get it twisted. We all. I have a few people in in the tuck ready, um, but we're going to do some more breakdowns. We may do one um, more of like relevant and current things. We kind of tied it in today with the Reebok situation, depending on when you hear it. It could be relevant. It could not. Um, but Moose, how you feel about it? I like this. I, I always enjoy the dialogue, you know, between us and, and of course, the uh, the information that comes out of this man is always priceless. It's like, like it's still relevant, you know, like just to the business fundamentals and all of it. So yeah, it's good stuff. So you already know what this means. Moose, final words. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I'm gonna go back to that one that I said earlier. Man, free is too expensive for real. Right, free is too expensive. It's a new year, and it's it's gonna it's gonna cost you too much to hire somebody to learn from them or whatever it is and do the work that you hired them to do. All right. That, that, that just costs too much. So uh, go out there, get the information that you need and level up.